Hey, welcome to the Biblical Manhood uh, Breakout. Hope you guys are excited to be here. I'm going to take a moment to introduce uh, our pastor who is coming to speak today on biblical manhood. If there ever is a biblical man, this is a great example, a godly example that we need to learn from. And so he's going to share some uh, truth with you, but also he's going to give you an opportunity, probably at the end, to maybe ask some questions. This would be an incredible moment for you guys to ask those questions and to uh, seek some wisdom on how we can best be a godly man. I appreciate you being here. I wish, how many of you are in the 10th grade? Anybody in the 10th grade? Raise your hand good and tall there if I can see in the 10th grade. I wish I could go back to when I was your age because that's when I messed up. And uh, I was playing football, and I went out on a Friday night with a senior in high school, a junior in high school, and I was a sophomore, and uh, I drank some beer that night. That may not sound like a big deal to you, but it opened up Pandora's box for me. And the rest of my high school years, I lived in sin. And I fought it. But you know, I, I've said this for a long time, Brother Steve, if I had had somebody that would have been my Christian friend, I believe I would have gone in a totally different direction. And I want to say this to you, I'm going to talk to you like I would talk to my own son, like I did talk to my own son when he was your age. I had one son, four girls. Donna did most of the counseling with the girls. I did with my son. My son, like me, in the 10th grade, went south. And he had about two years that he was not living for the Lord. And it broke our hearts, and I fasted, I prayed, I disciplined, I did everything I could do. He was a big old strong guy, and you couldn't spank anymore, but uh, we did a lot of things trying to get him to wake up. And when we were in Israel, one time he had gone with us, and we were down in a Colosseum, not the Colosseum in Rome, but one of the areas where... Christians had been martyred, where Christians had given their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we were praying down there, about 80 of us. We lived in Alabama at that time. Grant was in the 11th grade, was about to finish his 11th grade year, and he had been, he just had a hard time. I mean, he, he had just, it had been tough. And he was playing basketball and football. But he asked me, he said, Dad, are you telling me that Christians got killed right here? I said, yes. They were there were people that were Christians that got killed during the time of the Roman Empire right where we're standing. And so he asked if he could stay behind just a little while and uh, talk to the Lord. And I said, absolutely. So there were about 80 of us in our tour group in Israel, so we all went back to our buses, two buses, and that's where Grant got right with God. And today he's a preacher in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He's been preaching for 15 years. And I want to say this to you. During those times when he was developing his testimony and when he was doing things he shouldn't do, and during those times that I was doing things that I shouldn't have done when I was his age, I would give anything if I could go back and be your age again. If I had a thousand lives to live, I'd live them for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to call you out tonight. 
I want you to give me 40 minutes of undivided attention. I know you're tired. I know that a lot of you have not had a lot of sleep. But you know what? You're young and you can handle it. Okay? You're young and you can handle it. I want you to be on spot with me. I want to talk with you like I would talk to my son. Because I don't want you to go what th through what I went through. And I don't want you to go through what he went through. I want you to be a champion for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you ten things that I believe mark a man of God. And I want you to try to sell out and to give your life not only in salvation to Christ so you won't go to hell. Yeah, that's great. You ought to do that. But sometimes that can be out of a selfish motive just so you won't be burning for all eternity. But what about giving your life to him as a sacrifice? And even if he wanted you to be a martyr, if he wanted you to die for the faith, that you would be so in love with the Lord Jesus Christ that if that's what it meant to follow Jesus, you wouldn't give it two thoughts. You'd walk right into the fire, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that I read about this last week in my quiet time. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to talk to you like you're men, all right? I'm not going to talk to you like you're boys. You're not boys. You're young men, okay? So I'm going to talk to you straight. I'm not going to say anything crude, but I'm going to talk to you straight. I'm not going to be lovey-dovey and all that stuff. I'm going to lay it on you, okay? Because I love you and I want you to live for the greatest person in the universe, and that is Jesus. So pray with me, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind every strong man that would come against this meeting. Every strong man, Lord God, that would in any way try to interfere. Consider yourself bound in Jesus' name through his shed blood by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. We plunder your property. We plunder your house. Lord Jesus, would you just loose in this place the fruit of the Holy Ghost, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Would you speak to these young men in a powerful way in Jesus' name? Amen. One of the darkest places in the Bible is the book of Judges. Judges opens up with these sad words. You might remember Moses had died. Joshua had led the people of God who had wandered in the wilderness after they had been set free from Egypt and Pharaoh. They'd been wandering for 40 years because of their unbelief. They go into the promised land. Joshua helps them defeat the Canaanites. But Joshua is about to die. And he was the last in the last generation that remembered the parting of the Red Sea and that saw all the miracles that God performed against the Egyptians to get his people out of 400 years of bondage. God is a God that wants us to live in freedom, not in bondage. And I just want you to know that sin brings chains, and you will live in bondage if you live in sin. And so God had this man named Joshua. It's the same Hebrew word as Jesus or Hosea. And Joshua, Jesus, is 
salvation. That's what it means. And so he is the guy who has led them in the promised land, and he's about to die off. And when he dies off, guess what? The people go south. I'll just read just a little bit of it to you out of Judges chapter 2. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. This is Judges chapter 2. All the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work the Lord had done for Israel. And then Joshua, the son of Nun, that was his dad's name, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110. And then it gives some information there. Then it says, Then the sons, all that generation, also were gathered to their fathers. That whole generation that loved the Lord was gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Now listen. The sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. What you have in the book of Judges is the people of God who have turned away from God and they want to do their own thing, which is exactly where America is. We have turned away from God. Our nation is not one, God, one nation under God. Most of the people in America today will not read the Bible. About 90% will not read the Bible this whole week, much less once or twice. That is not a Christian nation. And I don't know if we've ever been a Christian nation, but I want to say what I'm praying for. I'm praying for God to raise up a man like Samuel. Write down somewhere in your notes, Samuel. Or maybe you see it at the top. Is it there at the top? Samuel there at the top? Who is Samuel? Samuel is the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. The last of the judges and the first of the prophets. The book of Judges ends with Judges chapter 21, verse 25. And just look on this screen. I think it'll be up there. If it's not, yeah, I think it is. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. How many of you believe that describes America, that everybody does what's right in their own eyes? Amen? I mean, if, you know... If you're a guy, you want to date a guy, go date a guy. Nobody cares. If you're a girl, you want to date a girl, go date a girl. Nobody cares. Everything, anything can happen. Doesn't matter. You know, that's just the way God made you. That is not the way God made you. That is a lie. Don't blame sin on God. God cannot tempt anyone to evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone to evil, and he can't be tempted himself. Book of James. I'm preaching through it. You ought to listen to it sometime. So here you have a nation that has gone down, and everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. But there is a praying, godly woman named Ruth, and she is the next book of the Bible after Judges. And she marries a godly man, and this man and she become the great-grandparents of a man named David, King David. And Ruth is a godly woman, and 
she loved the Lord, four little chapters, and right before that, right before she had this baby, God revealed to her that He was going to use her and her lineage in a powerful way. By the time you get to the next book of the Bible, and this is where I'm going to be is in 1 Samuel, okay? And I'm going to get going here. Trust me, I'm going to get going. But what you have, I'm trying to give you the background. What you have is you have Ruth that prayed for a godly son, and then she and her husband have a godly son who has a godly son who has seven sons, one of whom is David, a man after God's own heart. Who was it that anointed him to be the king? It was Samuel. And where do you get Samuel? After, right after the book of Ruth, 1 Samuel chapter 1, there's a godly woman praying for a son, praying for a child. And she's fasting and she's praying and she's crying out to God and God gives her a child. His name is Samuel. And she said, God, if you will give me a child, I will dedicate that child to you. And she took that child when he was about three or four years old, took him down to Shiloh where the tabernacle was at that time, and she gave her son to the high priest, Eli. And, jo and uh, he started growing up in the house of the Lord. Samuel did. And so I want to tell you, just give you a synopsis. I want to encourage you, go read 1 Samuel sometime. Just read it a chapter at a time. It's one of the best books in the Bible. And here's the bottom line, and here's where you come in. I am praying for God to raise up young Samuels in America. I am praying for God to raise up some men of God who are not so focused on making money, who are not so focused on having a big house, who are not so focused on having some big career in business, but they are focused on the kingdom of Almighty God. And they have one life, and they want to use it for the glory of God. Not to party, not to be, oh, oh, you know, the most, uh, you know, the, the guy that has all the girlfriends and all that. No, they're going to live their life single-minded like Samuel. He got married, he had kids, but man, his heart was toward the Lord. And I'm praying for God to raise up some Samuels across America. You say, why Samuel? Let me give you the ten things in his life that we need to think about. Number one, a man of God matures in godliness. He never stops growing. I want us all to say that. I want you to say with me, I will never stop growing in Christ. Say that with me. I will never stop growing in Christ. I want to challenge you to do that. Some of you are not living for the Lord. You say, how do you know? I didn't just wake up yesterday, all right? Just because you go to church doesn't mean you love Jesus. Just because you're in this room doesn't mean you love Jesus. Some of you got other things going. You're living a double life, and you know it. Everybody else knows it, whether you know it or not. Maybe your parents don't know all about it. But I want to challenge you to come out of that funk and to start living for Jesus Christ. And I want you to start maturing in godliness. The Bible says this about Samuel 1 Samuel 2, 21, the Lord visited Hannah, that was his mom. She conceived, she gave birth to three sons, two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Those were his siblings that were living back home with her. 
and his dad, but he was living at the temple, and he was growing before the Lord. He was maturing before the Lord. 1 Samuel 2.26 says, Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor both with the Lord and with men. Go look at Luke 2.52, and that same statement is made about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men, and he got it from Samuel. Samuel was growing, man. He was, he was moving on. He was reading the Word. He was in prayer while other people were out goofing off. He was spending time with the Lord, and he was spending time with people who loved God, and he was listening to the voice of God. He learned to hear the voice of God when he was just a small child. I want to encourage you, don't be like everybody else. Don't think you have to go out and drink and party and be immoral and all those, all those kind of things. That's not what makes a man. Any knucklehead can do that. What makes a man is to live for Jesus Christ. It takes more guts to hold one of these than it does to hold a can of beer. It takes more guts to carry one of these around than it does to carry one of these things around. Nothing wrong with these things. I'll tell you something. You can get in a lot of trouble real quick with this. And you can also waste a lot of time with this. This doesn't need to be your God. You don't need to stare at it all the time. But you do need to live in the Word. I want to encourage you. Say, starting today, no better time to start. I am going to start reading my Bible. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else does. If I don't have any friends that will walk with me, I'm going to stick around till God gives them to me. But I'm going to mature in godliness. I'm going to pray. I'm going to find out how to pray. I'm going to listen to sermons. I'm going to get around some godly people. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be more like Jesus every day. You got to burn that in your soul. And it takes a man to do that. Number two, a man of God encourages God's people. You know, there are a lot of people nowadays that will listen to what I'm saying. They laugh at it and smirk at it. And some of you might even say, you know what? I, I've hear, heard all this, Brother Steve. I, I hear you. you know, I, I hear how people do. Yeah, they get all excited up here and then they go out and they live like the devil all week long. Look at me. That doesn't have anything to do with you. Quit being a follower and start being a leader. What does it matter what other people do? you got to imitate them? Don't you have some spark in you? Man, you need to be encouraging other people. And the best way to do that is to live in a way that when they see you, you're not a stumbling block to them. Listen to what the Bible says about Samuel. 1 Samuel 12, 20 and following. Samuel said to the people, don't fear. You've committed all this evil, yet don't turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You must turn aside. You must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things which cannot profit or deliver because they're futile. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you and in the good and right way, only fear, that is revere, respect the Lord, and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. Do you hear some encouragement in that? Do you hear Him trying to put courage back into His friends, those people who are following? He said, look, we, we've, we've done wrong, our nation has messed up, but let's live for God. I encourage you, I want to encourage you to be strong in the faith. That's what a leader does puts courage back in people to live for Jesus Christ. And you need to be that person. You could be a spark plug 
Every one of you has somebody that you influence, and that's all leadership is. It's influence. You can influence people in the wrong way, and you can influence people in the right way. And I want to encourage you to be an influencer, to influence people in the right way toward Jesus Christ. Number three, a godly man confronts sinful leaders. The king, Saul, was somebody that Samuel anointed to be the first king of Israel, but Saul was a sinful man. And Samuel rebuked the king, the very king that he had anointed, because twice he offered sacrifice like he was a priest. He got out of his realm of being the king and tried to be a priest, and God rebuked him for it. God took the kingdom away from it because of it and gave it to David. And Samuel called him out, 1 Samuel 13, 13 and 14. Samuel said to Saul, you've acted foolishly. He said that to the king. He could have been killed. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. I won't read the other text. But I've got two more to give to you. But I want to tell you something. That took a lot of guts. Can you imagine going up to a high official and saying, you know what? You're not in the will of God. Even if you got arrested, you're not in the will of God. Now, I'm not telling you to run out and start pointing fingers at everybody. But I am telling you this. you got to have a little bit of courage if you're going to live for Jesus Christ. And I thank God for Samuel. When spiritual leaders stand up and lovingly rebuke people who are not doing right, I mean, they do it not to try to call them out and embarrass them, but they do it for a redemptive purpose. I believe that righteousness can change a pagan culture. Number four, a godly man hears and obeys God's voice. Has God ever talked to you? I know the answer to that. The answer is yes. Have you ever listened? What has he said to you? Samuel first heard God's voice when he was just a little child. 1 Samuel 3, verse 10. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Now, you may feel a little bit odd what I'm about to ask you to do, but would you just lift your hands up to the Lord right now? Would you do that? Lift your hands up to the Lord. Say, speak. Lord Jesus, your servant is listening. Now, let's shut our eyes and pray it. Speak. Lord Jesus, your servants are listening. That's how you hear from God, guys. You say, I didn't hear anything. Well, maybe he's not going to talk to you right this second, but you'll, you'll, you keep talking to him like that, God will talk to you. 1 Samuel 3.21, And the Lord again appeared at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. There are times in your quiet time that you need to do that. You need to get quiet and just listen to the Lord. Just be still and know that He is God. Don't do all the talking in your prayer time. Some of you may not even have a prayer time. You need a time every day, hopefully at the beginning of the day, where you read the Bible out loud. That's God talking to you. 
and you spend time talking to Him in prayer. If you've never done that, I'll be glad to teach you about it sometime. I'll be glad to show you how to read the Bible, pray, not that other people can't do it, but find somebody that will teach you how to pray and how to listen to God. I've got so many other verses, I don't have time to list them all. But I want to tell you something. God is a talker. It's not that God's not talking. It's that we're not listening. And whatever you need to know about, God will give it to you if you'll listen to him in prayer. Number five, a godly man leads God's people. He doesn't look around saying, well, what's everybody else going to do? No. He looks to the Lord and says, God, what do you want me to do? And you know what? It was a great day in my life where I quit living for people trying to impress them and started living for God and tried to impress Him and walk with Him. It'll be a great day for you when you lead people. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 7, 15, Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. That means he led them. He was a leader. and We need leaders who will lead for the Lord Jesus Christ in our culture. And we need men who will lead, who will lead their families, who will lead their children, who will lead other people. Thank God for these men in here who are leading you this week. We need more of those for future generations. And men not only leads God's people, but we need men, we need men of God who will mentor godly leaders. Guess who Samuel mentored? King David. King David. I'm talking about the guy that killed Goliath and was the greatest king except for Jesus in the whole Bible. 1 Samuel 16, verse 11. Samuel said to Jesse, that's David's dad, are these all the children you've got? He'd already seen all of the boys. And God said, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one. Jesse, the dad, said, there remains yet the youngest Behold, he's tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. So he went, he sent, and brought him in. Now David was ruddy, that is, he's redheaded, with beautiful eyes, handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. That's the one. This is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. From that day forward, and Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Can you imagine being the one that had anointed King David, the ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came from the line of David, the Bible says, and you were the one that God said, that's the man. We're ordaining four young men to the gospel ministry tonight here at Bellevue. I pray to God that there is at least one of them that will be a Samuel that will lead multiple men to go and do the work of God throughout this nation. Let me give you just four more things, or five, or whatever it is. I think it's four. A godly man focuses on prayer. Focuses on prayer. 1 Samuel 7. Verse 5 and following, gather all Israel to Mizpah. I will pray to the Lord for you. They gathered to Mizpah, drew water, poured it out before the Lord. That was an offering. They fasted on that day and said there, we've sinned against the Lord. Samuel judged the people of the sons of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines, that's the enemies of the men of God. When the Philistines 
heard that the sons of Israel had gathered in Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. When the sons of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Then the sons of Israel said to Samuel, Don't cease to cry to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Samuel took a suckling lamb, offered it for a whole burnt offering to the Lord, and Samuel cried to the Lord. That's the kind of prayer it's going to take nowadays, guys. The time of a whisper and a little calm prayer is over with. You're going to have to get alone with God in your closet and start crying out to God. We are in a desperate situation. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about a pagan culture that increasingly hates the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may not even, I'm sure you're not thinking about getting married and having kids, but you'd better think about the kind of world you want your kids coming up into. I've got 15 grandbabies, one on the way, and I'm telling you, it alarms me to think about what they're going to live in and what their children are going to live in and what their grandchildren are going to live in unless God sends a sweeping spiritual revival. And it all starts in prayer. Don't cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that He may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Samuel took that suckling lamb. He cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. The Philistines drew near the battle against the Lord, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them, and they were routed before Israel. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah, pursued the Philistines, struck them down as far as below beth Then Samuel took a stone, set it between Mizpah and Shin, and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore within the border of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. I want to tell you, God can do more through one praying man than He can do through any politician in the nation. If you'll start praying and spending time with God, it will blow your mind what God can do through one person even if they're 15 years old, who cries out to God in prayer. Number eight, a godly man speaks God's words. You've got to be in the Word, but the Word's got to be coming out of your mouth. You're speaking the Word in prayer. You're speaking the Word to your friends. You say, well, they won't like me. They won't hang around me. Look, if somebody, look, everybody, hey, one of the best things I'm going to say to you, look at me. If somebody won't hang out with you because you love Jesus, you don't need need to be hanging out with them anyway. Hear what I just said? If somebody won't be your friend because you radically love Jesus, they're not your friend. They are not putting into you. They are sucking out of you. They are spiritual parasites who are bringing you down. Shed them. They're not friends anyway. And you'll get brothers and sisters in Christ. Look, if you'll walk for Jesus, you will have fewer friends, but they'll be real friends. They'll be real friends. And there are people out there, when I started living for the Lord, I'd been an athlete all my life and everything. And I, I'll be honest with you, I, I hung around with guys that were like me, and we'd go do partying and all that kind of stuff. But when I started living for the Lord, I started hanging around all kinds of people, people of other races, people that were in different backgrounds and stuff. And, and I, I just couldn't believe how precious they were. And I had been basically kind of a snob. If you weren't an athlete, I didn't want to hang around you. I've been a snob most of my life, hanging around with all the people that I wanted to be like. But I realized the body of Christ is so, it's so beautiful. It's so, it's so different out there. It's just so diverse. There's so many people out there that you will miss if you don't live for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and they will really encourage you to do the right thing, and they won't encourage you to do the wrong things, okay? All right, you say, why are you so wound up? Because I feel like, I feel like I'm standing between somebody and a train wreck. I feel like some of you guys are right on the cusp of doing what I did and ruining your lives, at least temporarily. You say, well, you turned out okay. I'm telling you, look at me. It could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. Don't gamble with your life. Don't gamble with your soul. Don't do it. Speak the word of God. 1 Samuel 3.19, Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. That's because he spoke the word of God. 1 Samuel 4.1, Thus the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And I could go on. But he spoke the word of God. That doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher, but it does mean you're going to be a Christian and you're going to tell people what the Bible says. Number nine, a godly man walks in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is the roll call of faith, and it gives the most famous people in the Old Testament who walked with faith. And guess who's in there? Samuel. Hebrews 11, verse 32. He'd already been talking about this one and that one who walked in faith. He ran out of time, just like I'm running out of time. He was a preacher, I'm a preacher. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets. He walked by faith. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions. That's Daniel. Quenched the power of fire. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Isaiah was sawn in two. They put him inside a hollow log, took a saw, and sawed the man half in two. Killed him. That's what he's talking about there if you want to know who that was. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They were, went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, mountains, caves, holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. They walked in faith even though it cost them their lives. Do you believe in Jesus that much? Or is it just a little ticket out of hell? If all you've got is a ticket out of hell, you probably don't have the real Jesus. If all you've got is a little fire insurance for eternity, you probably are not saved. If Jesus Christ is not burning in your soul, something's wrong. You either get that fire back, but if you've never had it, you can't rekindle what you don't have. It's not about just going to heaven. Praise God for that. But it's about standing for Christ right now. Not five years from now, right now. Right now. 
God is a right now God. One more thing. A godly man leaves a legacy. 1 Samuel 3.20. I'll just, this will be my last verse. All Israel from Dan, that's as far as the north as you can get. Dan, way up by Mount Hermon. To Beersheba, that's the desert in the south of Israel. All the people from north to south, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of God. And to this day, when people say, who are the godliest people in the Bible besides Jesus? Almost always in the top five, if they know their Bibles, they'll mention Samuel. I am praying for God to raise up a Samuel in America. And everybody will know from Maine to Florida to Texas to California to Washington State, to Minnesota, back to Maine, all across America, Alaska, and Hawaii. Everybody will know that he's a man of God. And that when he speaks the Word of God, it's the real deal. And you know what? I believe God put this on my heart. I don't know if we've got that one Samuel in here today, but I've, we've got some Samuels in here today. I am asking God, to raise up some of you young guys. To get you to the point where you don't care what your buddies think. You don't care what happens as far as how cool you are and how many friends you're going to maintain if you start living for Jesus. You don't, you're sick of that. But you want to get all in, not just so you can go to heaven. That's great. That's wonderful. But that's all you got. You don't have it much. But to fall in love with Jesus Christ and to embrace Him totally, to be a man of God that God can use like Samuel. How many of you tracking with me? You, you may not want what I'm saying, but how many of you understand what I'm saying? How many of you at least understand what I'm saying? Amen. I want to tell you, some of you guys that are barely hanging with me, I was you. I can remember guys pouring out their heart like this and me saying, yeah, right, that won't work for me. That's a lie from the devil. The devil, once he gets you in his palm, he doesn't want to let you go. But I decree in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan has no control over you if you will just walk out of that. Whatever bondage is holding you away from going full blast with Jesus Get rid of it. Throw it away. In fact, let's just do that right now. Bow your heads with me. And I, I'm old school. Take your hat off, okay? Hood too. Father, I just pray for these young men, and that's what they are. They're not boys. They're young men. Lord, I've talked to them today like they're men because they are men. I wish somebody had talked to me like this when I was their age. Maybe they did and I didn't listen. But God, I'm talking to you right now. I'm not trying to impress them. I just have to believe that we've got some Samuels out here, Lord. 
And I'm asking you to raise them up right now. Lord, let them say to you right now, speak, Lord. I'm your servant and I'm listening. Call them out, Lord. Make them your very own. Touch their hearts. I'm not going to ask you. You're going to have another chance to get saved. With our heads bowed, how many of you say, Brother Steve, I want to be a man like Samuel. I want to be a man of God. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is just between you and the Lord. How many of you say, I want that. I want that. Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up high. Raise your hand up. I want to be a Samuel. I want to be a man of God. Amen. Just keep them up. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for these precious men. Well, I got both of my hands up. I'm 63. Whatever I've got left, dear God, let it all be for you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you're still calling. Raise these men up. And that's what they are. They're men. These are not boys. These are men. Raise them up to be men of God. And wherever you take them from here on in, Lord God, let them keep on praying. Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. And let them listen and hear your voice behind them saying, this is the way. Walk in it whenever they turn the right or the left. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm through. We've got about uh, five minutes. Have you got any questions you want to ask or anything of me that I can help you with in any, any way? Would it be possible sometimes, Steve, that I could address, I will get, hang on just one second, uh, that I could address them sometime about how to read the Bible and how to pray with that? Would, how many of you would want me to do that? Anybody that I could just try? I'm not any expert, but I've been doing it a long time. I can tell you a lot of things not to do, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you about my mistakes, but I'd love to come in sometime. That's my favorite time of the day is reading my Bible and praying, and it's because that's when I hear from God. Listen, when you hear from God, everything changes, all right? With a woman, yeah, that's, that's where you have to be. Really be careful, and uh, you have to do it in a way where you don't put yourself or her in a compromising position. Uh, if you're dating somebody as a Christian, number one, never date anybody that's not a Christian. Number two, just because they go to church doesn't mean they're a Christian, all right? Don't, I, I would even go beyond that. Don't, don't date anybody that doesn't radically love Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you, more people get messed up in this area than they do drinking and everything else, all right? And the other thing is, too, when you have a date, and I, I, this, I, I'd be glad to teach you a lesson on this, too, sometime. I'm not trying to be your sole teacher. These other guys are great. But I want to tell you something. You can get messed up here. Don't be alone in rooms or places where, you know, don't go parking and all that kind of stuff where you can get in trouble. You just have to be very careful. The Bible says flee from youthful lust, okay? 
It doesn't say fight it. It says flee from it. And one of the prayers that Jesus taught us is, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our... He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's praying a preventive prayer there. Lord, let me order my steps today where I don't put myself in a compromising position, okay? That's a quick answer. That's all I can give you right now, but I'll be glad to talk to you some other time about it, okay? Your uncle, that was your uncle, right? How do you know if, you're, if your loved one is really in heaven? The only thing I can tell you is if your uncle knew the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says the moment we are absent from this body, that's what the Bible calls death, we are present with the Lord. There is no soul sleep. There's no waiting. You immediately go to stand before the Lord, and your, 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 uh, your, good, your works are rewarded and all that. Then you go right into heaven. So he's more alive than you and I are, okay? Did he know the Lord Jesus? Okay, right, right. He was Roman Catholic. As, as long as he had repented of his sins, believed savingly in Jesus, and received Jesus as the Lord and Savior, you know, and not trusting anybody but Christ, not the church, not a pope or a priest or a preacher, but just trusting Christ, he's in heaven. Amen? God's not a Catholic. He's not a Baptist. He's not any of that. <laughs> it's, it's all through Jesus. Amen? Yeah, yeah. We made all that other stuff up. Yeah, yeah. I'm preaching on that uh, in a, uh, at the main service tonight. What he said was, what about not loving God and loving money, and is it okay for people to make money? I don't think there's anything wrong with being, you know, the Bible talks about having a good work ethic, and by working, you're going to be compensated. And, you know, it's what you do with the money, and more than that, it's what the money does to your heart. You know, there's a rich young ruler that came to Jesus, and Jesus did say to him, sell everything, uh, you know, and, and give it to the poor. But I think that was a test, just like in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Abraham who had a son, and God said, sacrifice your son. God never wanted him to sacrifice his son, just wanted him to be willing to. See what I'm saying? I think that's what he was doing with the rich young ruler. I don't think Jesus necessarily wanted him to sell everything. I think he wanted to, to get that God, if you will, that idol out of his life. And money, you've got to be careful with it because it can become an idol in your life where you think more about that than you do about Jesus. But you can take money. Money is not moral or immoral. It is amoral, which means it's just neutral. I can use money, and I do, to give to people who are in need, I just got my tithing record. I gave more to the church this year than I've ever given. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not going to tell you the number or anything like that. But I'm just telling you, I think that there's good things. that I'm, I'm supporting missionaries with money, and you can do the same, and anybody can. So money's not the problem. It's the Bible says don't. The root of all evil is not money, but the root of all evil, 1 Timothy 6, is the love of money. And that's where you can't let money be a God instead of Jesus Christ. Does that help? Okay. Be a hard worker. And I knew one guy that said, work all you can, you know, earn all you can, give all you can. That's the way to look at it. Hey, guys, I enjoy talking to guys. If I sounded a little bit in your face, that was on purpose, okay? I wanted to be because I know you're tired, but uh, I do love you. And if you've got anything you ever want to talk to me about, just go through Brother Steve and we'll set it up, okay? I'm going to pray for you and we'll go. Father, thank you for these young men. Let them be men of God. In Jesus' name, amen.